The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase podcast. So I am joined by Casey Bogoslaw. Casey, what's up? Thanks for uh, coming on the pod. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Will. Yeah, definitely. So I see your hat. Let's go ahead and start off. So your socks, your white socks are killing it, obviously. So I, I've told other Sox fans that had Carmen DeFalco on the pod recently. I said, I know that Sox fans hate the Cubs comparisons, but I couldn't help but think 2015 Cubs going into the season, the the vibe, the potential, all of that. So obviously we're seeing the Sox playing really well right now. Are they kind of meeting what you expected? Or, I mean, obviously they've got to be at least, surpa- if not <laughs> if not meeting, surpassing. But uh, going into the season, what were you kind of thinking? I know the 60-game season and everything playing out the way it has was weird, but what was your kind of thoughts, even just going back, if you remember, to spring training back in January, February, what you were kind of thinking? Yeah, going back to March, uh, going to, when they were in spring training before everything happened, uh, heading to a 162-game season, uh, you know, I expected them to to at least, you know, get a little bit of a playoff feel. You know, I, playoffs weren't even necessarily my expectations. Uh, you know, I, I thought the Twins were, you know, a, a you know, a decent head and shoulders uh, above the, where the White Sox were, you know, especially with their additions. You know, Josh Donaldson was a great pickup. I thought they did a really good job. It was scary, you know, because I thought the White Sox, obviously, you know, they had the fireworks right at the beginning of the offseason with Grandal and Keuchel. Uh, and it kind of seemed like we were closing the gap a little bit with the Twins, and then they went out and got Donaldson. So, I, you know, yeah, I, I was I was reasonable with, with the expectations headed in the 162 that, you know, I thought they'd be – Maybe second place with Cleveland. You know, I didn't love Cleveland, and I wasn't sure exactly what they would do in the and the, the uh, you know during the season. Um, you know, I even thought moving Lindor was a possibility at that point. So I thought maybe they could hang. Uh, you know, wild card. You know, I, there was there's a decent amount of good AL teams. So I, I you know, what I wanted for this team, yeah, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not against comparing them to the 2015 Cubs. Um, yeah, for sure, that's what that's what the timeline was. I, I wanted a, I wanted a playoff feel. I, I wanted you know, September games that meant something. And and even if they did miss out on the playoffs, you know, that was kind of where my expectations were. When the 60 game uh, schedule got set up, you know, it lined up great for the White Sox. You know, their schedule's really, really easy. You know, they had 10 games against the Royals. Not, you know, obviously now, (laughs) speaking in hindsight, it was great. Nine and one against the Royals, nine and one against the Tigers, uh, three and one against the Pirates. Um, they took care of business. I mean, obviously, I couldn't expect it that much, but seeing a schedule like that and comparing it to what you know the AL East teams did, I thought, heck, you know, the White Sox can make. And and obviously, I, without even mentioning the ex, the expanded playoffs, uh, when when that got announced, when when the season got, I, I I definitely had an expectation for them to make the playoffs once that got in. You know, I thought they were one of the best eight teams in the American League. I wasn't expecting this, but I thought they would at least be able to kind of sneak by in a wild card. Not only are they in first place, but they have the best, you know, even winning percentage in the American League. I was listening to the baseball show with Black and Abdallah last night, and one of the poll questions was, you know, what are your, basically, what are your expectations for the White Sox? It was like ALDS, ALCS, World Series, and I said, screw it, why not World Series? I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but at this point, dream big. They're playing well. Uh, We'll see how it shakes out, but at this point, it's gravy at this point, whatever happens the rest of the season, so... Going into the season, when they were asking or when, you know, everybody was wondering, like, how will the Cubs, how will the Sox kind of play? I was thinking from the White Sox, we'll see how their potential plays out this year. And, of course, they're looking beyond this year. From the Cubs side of things, I was thinking maybe the 60 games will kind of help them because I felt like, okay, this team is flawed already. Bullpen, lineup, maybe the 60 games will help them. And I think it might be playing off that way. Who knows how a full season would have shaken out. 
I think it's also really cool how both teams had their no hitters now in this pandemic year. It's kind of weird how that played out too. Yeah, a little bit of a baseball city USA feel. You know, this is. You now I go back to 2008, but really the last time that both teams were competitive at the same time, and it was a fun summer. You know, both teams did make the playoffs this year. Both had early exits, but both did make the playoffs, and and it was a you know it was a great story. I remember listening to Waddle and Sylvie every single day at work, and you know just how much excitement there was with these teams, and that's what we got now. You know, I, I think the the Cubs, you know, it's a little bit of a different feel, which I'm sure you'll you know you'll agree with, and you know, kind of you know empathize a little bit more with is that you know I think their expectations were higher and I think with how good of a start they got off to this season and that how it's kind of dwindled a little bit and it does seem like they're going to win the division but it seems like it you know wasn't as dominant as as it once may have been you know the bullpens of course got to get you you know some fear as well you know but yeah, it's pretty cool what the city of Chicago has gotten out of this baseball season. Just having first place teams on both sides of the town. It, I, I don't know if it's a shame, but I, you know, I, when I saw that schedule come out and I saw that that last weekend, the last series of the baseball season was Sox versus Cubs, I thought, oh man, what if there is playoff contention on the line? What if there's division, you know, uh, you know winning, contending on the line? That will be so much, so exciting. You know, we'll never see that again, where the Sox and Cubs can really kind of determine each other's fates. Now, we might not get exactly that because it does seem like both teams are guaranteed a spot in. Um, and I don't even know. You know, we can get into it. I don't even know if I really want the White Sox to necessarily, you know, go above and beyond to beat the Cubs that last weekend of the season because I I want Giolito to start game one of the playoffs, hands down. I'm sure you probably think the same about Darvish. So it'll be interesting to see where that comes into effect and what the managers do ultimately decide to to do with that season. But maybe there will still be something on the line. You know, we still got, you know, a couple weeks here to go. We're both going to help each other out by facing, you know, teams in their, you know, in each other's respective divisions. We could help each other out that way. And then we'll see what happens that last weekend of the season. Yeah, that reminds me. So talking about the Cubs, the Cubs and the White Sox, I remember, uh, I think even going back to last year, there was like an athletic article about potential like division realignment and stuff like that. And there were ideas. And I think even this season when they were trying to figure out how the season would even play out, if they had to realign divisions or something. And I remember Cubs and White Sox and I was saying, that'd be so intriguing. Uh, could you ever see that where the Cubs and Sox were on the same? I mean, it, it would make sense, I guess. If they were trying to do something. Yeah, like that. It, I mean, it would be... You know, it's enough. It's it's so much drama and stress facing the Cubs six times a season, or you know, I guess it's been four the last couple of seasons, and it was uh, at six again this season. And, and doing it 19 times or whatever would probably get pretty old. At least I'm, you know, I'm a little bit past the age where it was, you know, going to those games and you know, having a few and getting into it with, with the opposing side, but just thinking about that and that, you know, <laughs> thinking about that, what I would have done, uh, you know, in that, in my heyday there at 19 games against the Cubs, I don't know, maybe it would get old and, and eventually it would just get, you know, you get kind of used to it. But, you know, I think if they were ever to do that and, and who knows what happened, what will happen with baseball, um, if they were ever to do that, yeah, it'd be crazy for a couple of years for sure. Yeah, I think I think it is kind of unique. I know some people are just like, you know, I've seen Cubs fans, maybe both sides, but especially Cubs fans are, are like, we're not rivals. It's it's just three games. It's fine. Don't overreact. Um, I think I, I like the uniqueness of those 
matchups. You know, obviously bragging rights are on the line and all that, but it's always kind of fun. And it's, I think it's just more fun to have, obviously, both teams in playoff contention and everything going forward. But what are your thoughts on, on Renneria? Do you, I mean, obviously, you're not going to get rid of a guy that's in first place right now or anything like that. But do you think he's kind of the guy for this team in the long run or just kind of wait and see approach? Yeah, you know, I, I think. Uh, I'll start by saying this, uh, you know, I guess a little bit on the, the glass half full side is that I, I want to see how he coaches in a playoff series. Obviously, he's never done. He's never managed a team in a playoff series. Um, so I want to see how that plays out because, uh, you know, different things that have happened in the regular season. And yes, even though this was a very unique regular season where with 60 games, it almost was that every game was so important. Um, we kind of got a feel from it. But at the same time, you know, your back was never necessarily against the wall. Um, even in the series we're in right now, the last night and tonight with the Minnesota Twins, yeah, we're fighting for a division, but again, seating, I don't know how important it is. I don't know how much we, you know, will really uh, you know, be determined you know, by this series. So I, I do want to see that because what I go back to, and, I, and here's where I'll go with the glass half empty, I don't, I don't see a lot from him that that gives me a lot of confidence to win in a playoff series. And maybe that's just because I've never seen him with his back against the wall. You know, last night, for example, you know, he, you know, he kept Dylan Cease in there for, for one batter too long. It was, it was just kind of a, a, a weird decision. So, you know, does he make that same decision with the Dylan Cease in the playoffs? I certainly hope not, but is it just that much different? You know, this is a four game series. The Minnesota twins got to play four days in a row. He's got to think about using the bullpen. You're just going to have to manage differently. So that's kind of where I'm going to stand right now is that, you know, what's great about uh, the season and, you know, even comparison to what I was saying before with heading into the 162 and, and being able to see that playoff on is we're going to see playoffs. We're going to see a, a very unique playoffs, a three game playoff series to start it, which is going to be, just, you know, amazingly dramatic. It's going to be, they, the news came out today. It's going to be three days in a row. There's going to be no rest in between. So using the bullpen is going to be, you know, a, a really interesting game of cat and mouse on, on what teams are going to do, how you're going to use your bench. We're going to have 28-man rosters, which is, you know, something that we've never seen before. What do you even do? You know, I don't know how much of a say necessarily Renteria will have with making – I'm sure he has a, a large say in setting that 28-man roster, but what's to do with it? You know, last night, you know, the Sox almost blew that game because Eloy was in left field and he missed that catch. And he almost, you know, played it into an inside-the-park home run. <laughs> Eloy shouldn't have been out there in the first place. In a 3-1 game with your closer on the mound, you got to have Jared Dyson in, in left field because that's what you got him for. That's the only reason Jared Dyson is on that roster is to play defense in the ninth inning and then to pinch run every now and then. So why the heck isn't he in it? And Renteria said it was because Eloy was due up next. So if the Twins tied it or took the lead, he was the first batter. But you can't play like that. And that's, that's, that's kind of the point is – are you playing that way only in the regular season? Or if you got to a playoff game, would you switch your managerial style? I don't know. Can, can you, you know, can you teach an old dog new tricks? I, I have no idea if he would really change his mindset. You know, we see, you know, Craig Council, who's, who's been kind of a very analytic manager and he manages that way all season long though. He, he did use hater the, the, the same way he used in the class, maybe a little bit more dramatic, but at least you got to see hints of, okay, this is what council's going to do. He's going to use an opener strategy in the playoffs. Some of that stuff was kind of like, wow, he's going to actually do this in the playoffs, but we had seen him do it before and stuff like that with Rancheria is kind of like, 
I don't know if he's going to do it because I haven't seen him do it before. He doesn't make those defensive replacements. You know, he'll switch Adam Engel out for Domingo Mazzara against a righty in certain scenarios, but he doesn't do the opposite versus lefties. Thank God he did last night. But, you know, it, it just hasn't happened often. So that that, that Engel move was awesome. Um, I even thought, you know, that <laughs> again, going off after that game uh, last night, you know, he brought an Engel in a perfect bunt situation. Everyone thought he was going to bunt, and then Angle pulled the bat, bat back and, and knocked it through a, a, an infield that was in. Uh, I joked with a friend that I wonder if Angle did have the bunt sign, and he just said, screw that, uh, I'm going to swing away. because. But he did say, he said post-game that it was Ricky's call. Um, Ricky told him that if you see that wheel play come, come into play, go ahead and take your shot. So that's cool. That's cool. It, it points for Ricky. You know, uh, I do enough bashing on Ricky on Twitter. It's got, I got to credit him when uh, he does something really impressive. So that was great. Is there going to be more of that stuff in the playoffs? That's what we get to see. Hopefully it's more than three games. Hopefully it's a couple series and I get a really good scope of what he does. Uh, you know, what he's capable of doing. And then, then I'll be able to kind of give you a better answer on, 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 on where I think the White Sox and go moving forward with Rick Renteria as their manager. I just feel like overall, a lot of people are just hesitant. You know, obviously they're giving their credit where it's due right now. But like you said, it's kind of like, let's wait and see. The good news for the Sox, though, I, you'll, you'll, I think you'll relate to this or you'll agree with this. When I look back, obviously you want your team to win the World Series, but kind of fun when it's about lower expectations, don't really know what to expect, but you know it's going to be a fun ride. And that's what 15 was for the Cubs. And... Looking back, I felt really good going into 16. I had no doubt that that team was World Series or bust, basically. And I don't know, regardless of what... I mean, I think what happens after this year, no matter what happens in the playoffs, I could see where maybe not World Series or bust, but at the same time, you're going to be expecting even more because of what you saw this year from the Sox. But I think some people look back on 16 for the Cubs and say, you know... It was a fun team, obviously, that won the World Series, but it was also kind of stressful. But you look at 15, and it was just a fun ride. That's kind of what I feel like this has been for the White Sox so far. I mean, you've seen the the offense has been awesome. Luis Robert has been a stud, and you obviously will remember this. I love that play where he just basically takes Eloy's ball, and Eloy's just standing there with his, his, his hands crossed, like, all right, how long do you think before he's just the everyday DH? <laughs> Well, I don't know, because of the way that the, the, the team is set up, you know, Eloy's got to get better. Uh, and he, he actually has gradually improved, you know, baby steps throughout the season. You know, last night was uh, kind of a, the exception, but that, that is a hard play, you know, regardless of who was going to be in the outfield. And he made a uh, weird play at the, in the early in the game where he uh, kind of let a guy stretch a single into a double just because he was a little slow to the ball. So you're going to kind of have to, you know, take that. You know, I, the, the thing is, though, you, you mentioned it. You made it. You, I know you were saying it in jest, but... Really, that's a it's a big thing, and it's a big thing that I'm a huge advocate of is, is the concept of team defense, and uh, especially team outfield defense. Luis Robert can cover two thirds of that outfield, and especially if if Angles and right, he doesn't have to worry at all about right field. He can definitely just you know cover for for Eloy on, on the left side. So you know, if you're going to have two elite exceptional outfielders, which they do when they have Robert and Engel out there, you know. They've made this joke before, but the only catches that Eloy has to worry about is is literally fly balls that touch the out the foul line. That's all he he has to do. Which you know, uh, the way the team is set up, I, I don't really see it happening for a while. Eloy's athletic, you know. He's he's you know got it. They got enough. He's not a a rock out there. You know, the people have said you know, oh yeah, you know, Andrew Vaughn is obviously the next guy up for the for the White Sox. The next um, you know prospect that that the team is really excited for. You know, he's more of a of a rock. <laughs> he's going to play first base. A lot of people have said, you know, they want to move him to the outfield. You know, he just doesn't have the same 
athletic attributes that uh, that Eloy has. So, you know, and with the Bray under contract for two years and playing like an MVP right now, I don't think he's slowing down anytime soon. He wants to play first. So maybe Vaughn is the DH next year and, and you know, spells those guys. I don't know what's going to happen with the McCann Grandal situation, but I think, <laughs> I think the answer to your question is Eloy's, we're stuck with Eloy in left field for, for, for good and for bad. Well, yeah. I mean, I was just looking up the White Sox stats. They're it, just the roster. Yeah, you mentioned the Bray, who's got a couple years left on his deal, too, playing like an MVP right now. But I feel like, I don't know, Luis Robert's got to be in this conversation for sure. But uh, I guess who have maybe you been the most impressed about so far <laughs> from the Sox? I mean, Tim Anderson's having another great year. It's just, I mean, you could go across the board, basically, whether it's, you know, Giolito or, I mean, the offense. Man, I don't know what happened with the Cubs offense. We've been wondering that for three years. It's, like, broken every year. Uh, You know, we thought, oh, we have all this great potential. They just cannot seem to put it together. But the Sox, I mean, man, that lineup right now is killing it. (sighs) Yeah, it's really hard to answer the question of who I've been most impressed by. You know, right now, if I had a vote, I would vote Jose Abreu as the MVP just because of, but I really think that is, you know, it's something that you would probably mostly only see if you're watching every single game. And it's, you know, and that's why, you know, yeah, you're, you look at the, the stats on the paper and, you know, maybe it doesn't necessarily jump off the page. And when you're looking just on paper, but really when you're watching game in, game out, he's had so many clutch RBIs. You know, he's playing great defense. Well, you know, one of the best uh, defensive seasons that he had at first. You know, he's played awesome over there, done a great job. And then, of course, he's just the leader on the team. He's the leader of the clubhouse. He made it so clear during the offseason that he wanted to come back and there was nowhere else he was going to sign. He wanted to be here when the team was ready to win. So, obviously, as a White Sox fan, I feel so, you know, happy for him. And I and he's, he's he's you know, done it He's done it all. He's done it at the plate. Um, he, he was slumping a little bit when the season started, and Sox Twitter was – so upset about him batting third every single day it was kind of funny to, to, to watch but now and, and just you know at the cub series was really the kind of his huge breakout of, of what he was able to do against them and then it just it hasn't stopped but but tim anderson is right on his tail and really i i made the joke on twitter last night that can they just share the mvp award because they have both been so consistent and so exceptional on this team ken rosenthal wrote an article that today which i was impressed by that you know he's he's taken a, a liking to both he said he he likes both for for mvp right now you know even with you know considering trout and and rendon what they're doing with the angels you know bieber cruz but he he likes the white sauce guys he and he yeah he doesn't know what's going to happen as far as splitting the vote because everything that uh, that abreu is doing you know anderson's done almost in lockstep uh you know he's probably going to win his second batting title in a row a lot of people thought last year was a fluke and the Babbitt was so high that there was no way that he could do it again you know myself included you know as much as much Sox Kool-Aid as I drink you know and, and even watching you know I didn't watch as much White Sox baseball just because it wasn't as watchable as it was this season but last season you know he just he, he hits the ball hard he hits the ball you know to, to the right spots to, to let his speed play in that I thought you know the Babbitt wasn't necessarily that big of a, an exception, and he has proven that. He's hitting whatever it is, 360 right now, or whatever it is, over 500 against left-handed pitching. His line against, you look it up, it's like 510, 560, 900 against lefties or something like that. I mean, that's absurd. Why would anyone pitch a left-handed pitcher to Tim Anderson? And the Twins chose to do that last night. They had a lefty reliever in against Anderson with the game on the line. 
ridiculous. But those two guys, uh, yeah. And then yeah, Robert, Robert, Robert's been my guy since since they signed him from internationally. I've just had the biggest hopes and dreams, and he has matched all of them. In a little bit of a slump right now, but I know that he's going to bust out just because he's shown it. And then, you know, what was great, you know, the the Statcast nerd in me is that you know they came out with the outs above average yesterday. Uh, they released 2020. You know, it basically just says you know how many outs one player would go would get over the average guy in his position. And on top of that leaderboard, all alone was Luis Robert. So um, that's another thing you see day in day out. His gap to gap coverage is just insane. And I wanted him to be like next Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, as he was coming up in the system, I just I, I love outfield defense. I love having a five tool center fielder. I've never really had it after the White Sox. I mean, Aaron Rowe was good back in the day, but just nothing ever like this. And I grew up idolizing Ken Griffey. And now, uh, you know, I get to root for a Ken Griffey Jr. in, in black and in silver and black. So, um, you know. It's been fun. You, you asked who's exciting. Everyone. I haven't even gotten the pitch in Violito. It's been so good. The no-hitter was awesome. All of it. All of it's, it. It's been a fun season. Like you said, I will be so mad that day that they get eliminated if they do not win the World Series. But, yes, looking back, it's been a magical, magical season. Walk-offs, no-hitters. Uh, and, you know, they hit four home runs in a row against the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah. Against the Cardinals, yeah. Yeah, that was fantastic. I, mean, I love that. The Cubs series with Abreu hitting homers and mm-hmm. three oh, straight God. at bats. Oh, yeah, like six. Yeah, it's been a bad yeah, season. six in that week. I'm like, six what homers are you pitching in the I know, I know the Sunday home run was like the second <laughs> inning or something, so I'm like, all right, I get it. But still, like, seriously. So you mentioned kind of with the stat cast. So I know you're actually, I think, the first person I've seen – you would tweet about the barrels and yeah, if you could like kind of go into that a little bit, just for those that may not even think about stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, I guess, you know, more or less my claim to fame on Twitter and kind of just how I built my following is I was one of the first people to just jump on board and and what the barrel statistic was. And when MLB came out with it, it was obscure. They kept it kind of underground. And I just, I think I, you know, I'll pat him on my own back. And I think I had a lot to do to, on making it bigger and better on Twitter. And even Benetti, you know, the announcer for the White Sox, you know, he, he loves barrels. He mentions them on the broadcast all the time. I know, I know it's probably between him and Chris Conkler, their producer, oh, yeah. who's another big stack ass guy, awesome yeah. Twitter follower. Awesome Twitter follow. You know, he's the guy that, that's posting all those statistics on, on, there, on the screen. But yeah, you know, if you don't know what it is, it's kind of just your, um, you know, your ideal outcome between uh, launch angle and exit velocity of how you can hit the ball. And basically they just kind of determine that this combo of those two statistics lead to the best outcomes and whatever falls into the spectrum that they kind of created an algorithm for, they call a barrel. And when that came out, they only had it on the StackCast website. I created the at uh, MLB Barrel Alert Twitter account that, that posts it immediately. So and then that's got, you know, 20,000 followers or something like that. And, uh, you know, and it just grew from there. I developed the barrel fit statistic, which is kind of just looking at it from a pitching aspect. And that's what I post every morning on Twitter, just kind of where every pitcher, uh, the starting pitchers on how they're looking at um, with their barrel fit this season. And uh, people love to use it for gambling. You know, I have myself as well. It's a, it's a useful tool. And basically, yeah, it's a, it just kind of lets you know which pitchers are avoiding the barrel. And, uh, and now that I mentioned it, the White Sox have done great at that. They're, they're like one of the best. I think they have, um, I don't have it in front of me right now, I know that they had it up to the weekend, the lowest barrel rate in all of baseball, and that's the entire pitching staff, which is, you know, amazing. And especially with the struggles that they've had, you know, the starting rotation has been up and down other than uh, Giolito and Keuchel. 
the whole team has just been great at avoiding the barrel and avoiding the big hits, avoiding that big massive home run, both the starting rotation and the the bullpen. That's what they've done, and the, the bullpen's just kind of been a bunch of unsung hero guys. A lot of prospects came up this season, and it's it's really cool to see. Um, and it's just this awesome, you know, compilation of all these things that I have kind of, uh, you know, backed onto, you know, it, during the rebuild. And uh, maybe Rick Hahn has a burner that follows me somewhere because he's just made this team that I, I'm absolutely in love with because they do a lot of things that uh, I really believe is how you build a baseball team. Yeah, you know, speaking of rebuild, so I know, I, so I used to, of course, write for your, the website you were a part of, the um, RO Baseball, the Read Optional is what it was called, right? Yeah. So, and I... I wrote an article about the rebuilding, and I think it was rebuilding in general, but of course the White Sox were a huge feature of that article, and I had a few others, but I don't know what happened. I think I must have gotten rid of one of my Medium accounts, and I tried contacting them and to uh, recover them, and they, and I could have sworn that I thought that I had posted like on LinkedIn like the actual like copy and paste of that article, just so I had it, and I couldn't find it, and so I have the links, but they don't go anywhere, and they're like, oh, this account's gone, and I'm like, that sucks, because I really wanted to look back at those articles again, because I, I thought that was really cool. I liked what I had come up with, and it was really cool being able to write, you know, even just a few articles for your site at the time, because I think I, I, there's only three that I can remember that I got around to doing, but I thought it was really cool, at least having the chance to do that, so really appreciated that. Absolutely, man, that was a fun time, and I, yeah, I remember you kind of came around right at the end, but we had a good run for a couple of years, a lot of good guys, and, and, you know, they've gone on to bigger and better things. Yeah, that was a, a really fun time, and that was right when I was kind of starting to get, get into the analytics of baseball. Um, you know, I've always said that I kind of got into it because Rob Ventura drove me so crazy uh, when he was the manager of the White Sox that I just needed to vent somewhere and needed to kind of, you know, not only, not only, you know, figure out for myself, you know, what, you know, what, what exactly Rob Ventura was doing wrong, but just kind of learn, learn from the, you know, from the, from the bottom and just kind of, Get, take and everything and that was of course right when Statcast was adapted by MLB and there was all these new stats at, the, at your fingertips and they keep doing it which is awesome and there's just so much to, to that you could find anything you want and find how fast the guy is able to run how, how you know well you know how much uh, team shifts against certain batters that that site's great and it's, I think it's really helped all of baseball and it's given me a new life you know um, a new you know way to look at baseball you know from from you know what I was doing growing up and, and you know in high school of course I was I mean I was a huge baseball fan huge White Sox fan my entire life but you know it certainly had kind of reached a little bit of a drought and then you know RO baseball and, and Statcast kind of brought it back so pretty cool so I, it's funny because when Manny Machado went to the Padres, I was like, that's just such a money move. Like, what is he doing? I mean, they had some potential, but I didn't really believe in the San Diego. But now they're an exciting team right now with Tatis and all these guys they've got. And now I'm like, man, how exciting would a White Sox Padres or a Rays Padres World Series be? Like, imagine saying that five years ago. White, White Sox Padres would be so incredible just because of all the storylines. You mentioned Machado. And, you know, all the White Sox fans thought Machado was coming here. There was a lot of reports that said Manny Machado. I was coming here. Of course, there's the Fernando Tatis saga that the White Sox traded him away for James Shields. So there, that will obviously be a big storyline that, you know, he's possibly the NL MVP. In that Rosendale article that I mentioned earlier, he kind of said that it's either going to be Tatis or Machado, which is just really interesting, you know, because the White Sox have ties to both. And uh, yeah, I mean, everyone thought the Dodgers were going to run away with that division. We're going to run away with the National League. And now we sit with the Padres on one and a half games back 
three left to play in this series. Going to play tonight. I had both games on, the White Sox and Twins, and then the Dodgers and Padres on my computer because I had to watch both. And the Padres, of course, just had another offensive explosion and beat Kershaw. And uh, Dodgers fans have to be freaking out that they're – Dream season might be coming, you know, I, of course, I, I, it depends on what happens in the playoffs. And I know they got Justin Turner back today, but no one ever expected any of those teams to, to ever challenge them in the NL West. And now we have a race. I think it's awesome. I mean, I, the Padres are just like the new cool team right now. Like I said, it's been 10 years or whatever since the PV Padres were relevant. It's funny, Jake PV, Brian Roberts were some of those guys that were always linked to like the Cubs. And it was like... That's never going to happen. We still make that joke like, oh, I think the Cubs are still trying to get Brian Roberts or whatever. Chris Archer was another one. But how are you? Because you're a Bears fan, right? So yeah. what are your thoughts? I mean, it's, I mean, it's one game. But uh, I think everybody was ready for that loss going in, or at least as the, play, the game was playing out Sunday. Are you kind of in the same camp as most people I've talked to thinking 500 is probably their ceiling this year if the offense is going to do what they've been doing and not take that next step? Yeah, 500 sounds right. Uh, yeah, I've, I'm a Bears season ticket holder, uh, have been since 97. So, yeah, you know, it, this is, of course, a very weird year. <laughs> Obviously not going to be going to any games this season. Everything's uh, up in the air, and we could talk about because since we, we jumped on here right after the Allen Robinson news came up, it just seems like it's going to be one thing after another. This is kind of just the Bears' MO, you know, that they even, you know, anytime that they have a, a breath of of, of a success, you know, something bad happens, and, um, and it just, you know, obviously is normally has to do with something to do with the, the quarterback position, and that's kind of obviously the story of the season already right now. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I, I am, I'm not, I'm, I'm more of an anti-Nagy guy than anti-Trubisky, and just that I don't think the, I don't think there's a match there. Um, it doesn't seem like. Nagy doesn't necessarily want to coach to his strengths, and for whatever reason, maybe there is a fight, a turmoil between Nagy and Pace on what to do. Obviously, you know, when they signed Foles, I still bet. I made it. I made a bet with a friend that Trubisky was still going to start Game One because of just kind of you know the feel that the team you know had that you know Pace was not going to let down, and that Trubisky is his guy, and he still needs him to succeed, and. You know, that game one, I turned it off at halftime because I was I was really, really upset. Plus, I was watching Jonathan Seaver have his debut uh, on the White Sox. And, um, but the reason why I was upset is because it was kind of the same old Mitch. He'd make a really good play. Um, you know, Jimmy Graham missed a couple catches. Uh, and I made the joke on Twitter that, you know, uh, he's just, he, he looked incredibly washed. And that was kind of, that was the report that everyone gave and, you know, what Packers fans gave that how he looked. And yeah, I thought it was, you know, maybe a little bit of Packers fans trolling Bears fans that he was washed. But then, you know, all the reports were that he was so good in training camp. Of course, there was no preseason games. It was kind of like, okay, we'll see. And then he just, he didn't look great. Um, at least in the half that I watched. Um, and, but then Trubisky would make a good throw to him and then he'd make a horrible throw the next play. And it was just like, okay, this is, this is what Trubisky is. You know, he'll give you a good throw, but he's going to give you, you know, one or two bad throws right after that. And, you know, I don't necessarily want foals either. I don't know what I want. <laughs> I just kind of want to, uh, you know, I want to redo on, uh, that, of uh, 20, 17 draft or whatever it was uh, <laughs> and get one of the other guys that of course uh, all pundits often talk about with the bears, but um, yeah, it's a bummer, but unfortunately I'm kind of stuck as a bears fan for, for my whole life because, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I live and die with them and 
yeah, I might turn them off when I, when I get a little upset with them. But, you know, if they if they somehow have some sort of, um, you know, good luck season, if things fall their way, you know, of course I'll be there right with them. But it does seem like even with that magical miracle win that they had in week one, um, we had barely 48 hours of, of, of fun and celebration before this Allen Robinson news and that he wants to trade. And, and that just it has a really, really bad sign on what's going to happen for the rest of the season, especially because Giants, play, you know, the Giants are coming to the Chicago this week, which seemed like an easy win. But with all of this drama, who knows? You know, who knows where the focus will be? Who knows if Robinson plays? Who knows what it does to the offense? Um, could be already, a, you know, an upsetting loss in week two. Yeah, and, you know, it's they have the Giants. I think the Falcons are coming up soon. It's like, and then they have a tough schedule after that. They have the Rams again out in L.A., which was weird to me because they've already played the Rams the last two years, and they were in L.A. last year. They're going back out there this year. They've got, you know, Tampa Bay, who, of course, has Brady and Gronk, and they, you know, they should be a tough team. And uh, the Colts are on there, so it's like if you're going to have a shot at the playoffs, you've got to win, like, the first three or four games. And then, you know, and then, of course, you know, things could bounce one way or the other anyways. But as you mentioned, it's it's a weird year anyway with the whole – COVID, no fans and all that. And I know some people think that might actually help the no fans might help Trubisky because it's like no booze or anything. So maybe it'll work out, but who knows, maybe he'll somehow put together, you know, three other quarters as well as the fourth quarter. Cause I mean, that's not sustainable. You can't win. Yeah. It's great that he was able to do that, but you cannot. And it's the lions. You can't count on other teams to just not show up in the fourth quarter. I don't think there's another team in the NFL that they could have beat with that performance. That was just the lions being the Lions. <laughs> Outside of the Browns and the Washington football team, you're probably right. Hey, so do you also follow the Bulls and the Blackhawks? Yeah, you know, of course, I, I Blackhawks probably, you know, are, are lowest on my totem pole. I got really into the to the run, and I, of course, enjoyed all of that Stanley Cup. Um, Bulls, Bulls, yeah, I, I, I am. I consider myself a Bulls fan. I'm a huge Jimmy Butler fan, um, speak, and I've been upset since that happened, since the trade happened. But I am, I'm, I'm very excited. Tonight, uh, I think in a couple minutes here, the the Heat will start off in the Eastern Conference Finals. So I will be. I, I said when when Jimmy signed with the Heat that I, I don't know what to do because I'm a I'm a I'm a diehard Jimmy Butler fan, but I can't find myself rooting for the Heat just because of the the Bulls Heat uh, drama of, of you know a few years ago. But yeah, I'm over it. Uh, you know, I, I've been gambling on the Heat, winning some money off Jimmy, so uh, I'm pretty happy about you know just. Obviously, you know, the biggest thing with the Bulls, you know, to just kind of, you know, bring it back to, to, to local is, you know, uh, everyone said that you couldn't win a championship. You couldn't ride Jimmy Butler to, to the Eastern Conference Finals. He couldn't be the best player on a championship winning team. Well, I, I said he, he was the whole time, and uh, it looks like I'm right, which is <laughs> another reason why I'm really happy with what the Heat are doing. You know, why, why wouldn't I love being right? Um, you know, I, I don't we'll see what the new GM does. Obviously it's, it's a, that's a breath of fresh air. That's going to be good, you know, and, and you will see who they hire with the coach too. So that's good. At least that they're getting a, a refresher. Cause I, I, I do, I, I, I enjoy the NBA, NBA and, and I enjoy rooting for the bulls like college basketball a little bit more, you know, huge Illini fan, but basketball is an awesome sport to watch. You know, probably even, you know, I, I'd put it you know, pretty close up there with baseball and I'm just kind of where I'm at. So it would be fun to have a, a real, like a, a full team rooting interest rather than just following Jimmy 
hop around to, for, from team to team like he has the last couple of years. I don't know if you know Salim. He's uh, I had him on my last podcast. He is another ESPN 1000, you know, Black Abdallah listener like I am. So I had him on my last podcast. He actually has his own Bulls podcast called Bulls Gold. So if you haven't checked that out, you might want to check that out. But yeah, yeah speaking of Black and Abdallah, so I, I didn't know this, but you told me before that you actually knew them. You know Bro Connor, which is, of course... I swear. So uh, it was last year. I was listening to Black and Abdallah on Sunday mornings, and I remember, I think I probably heard them say the White Sox report, so I thought this was like an official, like, oh, okay, White Sox stuff. And I wasn't really paying attention too closely, and I just remember hearing this random, like, ranting in the background, and I'm like, what the hell was that? And there was probably a week or two of that, and then I finally stopped and listened, and I realized what that was, and I was like, oh, okay, the White Sox report, and Bro Connors playing up the typical, like, you know, uh, but you actually know him, right? Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm at least assuming that Brian does those reports that he, re- you know, records and, and sends into Chris and, and Adam. I assume he does them sober, but I will say you should, you should hear the rants when he is drunk. Uh, I did go to college with him. I am a fraternity, you know, he was in my fraternity. So I have, I have heard that rant, uh, you know, out of a very, very drunk Brian O'Connor. And it's, it's just that much funnier, um, you know, Brian, the, you know, there are a lot of white size fans that, uh, you know, can say that they can live with the Cubs. Uh, Brian is, is certainly not one of them. Um, just, just does not, uh, you know, it's a, it's a toss up on whether he likes the white size more or dislikes the Cubs. And it was, it was really, you know, I don't know if you, uh, you said you listened last night and they did the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Brian did his report at the end of their show yesterday, and he mentioned about the Zambrano no hitter. That that's an all timer, and I actually made the joke to him as soon as I uh, saw that Mills threw the no hitter at Miller Park. One of Brian's, I mean, he will never, he will rue the day that that Carlos Zambrano threw that no hitter at Miller Park against the Houston Astros, who had to come up. After their after their city was ransacked by a hurricane, and, and then my my side of the story, I actually have a, a side of the story as well. Why I dislike that uh, no hitter. I was in a fantasy baseball playoffs, and that was a Sunday, and I was going against Carlos Zambrano, and I lost no. a fantasy championship because Carlos Zambrano threw a no hitter on on a Sunday. Versus that Houston Astros team that had to come up and play at Miller Park. So I also, <laughs> I, I somehow even though I lost you know several hundred dollars, Brian still hates that no hitter more than I do. But I hate it quite a lot too. Yeah, I uh, I remember I was listening to I I, I loved the the White Sox report. In fact, Bro Connor followed me on Twitter like randomly a while back, and I was like, oh, I feel like a star now because I know who he is through that. But it was funny because uh, last night after the White, or I was like going into that after that Mills no hitter, I was like, I cannot wait for the White Sox report. And then uh, right after last night, I, I was like to Black and Abdallah, I was like, I would love to see him record these things live because I just imagine just like in a fit of rage, like you know, going crazy, whatever. But I know he hates the Cubs so much, so I know that's not even like a. Bit. I know it's not a bit, but I love the. I love that it's a bit without being a bit. Basically, I love how he, I, love, I love that whole segment. So, it is. It is not a bit. I promise you that. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I love that it's even just a part of the show, though. Like the fact, the yeah. like last five minutes. I love that. Just that whole. But I know he hates the Cubs. I remember a White Sox report last year where 
The Sox were at the Angels. They might have gotten swept. I don't know. But he was at the game that they lost. And you can hear the fireworks going off. But he's laughing because of, I think it was the Cubs about Kimbrel or whatever. And um, Black or Adala were like, he knows that his team just lost, right? Because he's like laughing about the Cubs. But um, yeah, it's like I know it's not a bit. But at the same time, it's like I love the whole like I hate the Cubs more than I like the Sox almost or whatever. But yeah, it's always it's always fun. I did ask him to come on the pod. I haven't heard anything. So maybe I'll reach out again. But yeah, I'll give, I'll give him a push. I think it'd be funny to have some of those stories. Uh, yeah, I remember, I, I know I showed you this before that I had it as my pinned tweet when I was randomly like, hey, Black, give, uh, tell Bro Connor I said, hey, give him a high five. And then they come back with that funny video. I was just like, I, remember, I was listening to uh, some random pods that uh, they had done years ago where they were watching movies like uh, The Sandlot. I remember Bro Connor was like, I, I was listening to it just in, you know, like in July because uh, I came across it or so much pointed it out and I was like what is this about so I had to listen to that and Bro Connor was like I love how we're watching a baseball move and we talked about baseball for maybe five minutes yeah yeah I remember that I think it's actually kind of funny it's funny though I love how you know Chris and Adam can cover any sport I know football basketball are their main you know top two but they can do hockey and whatever else and I think it's I think it's funny it, it's cool though I like it I like how they're doing the baseball show because I never would have thought that would be kind of I know it's part of like a two-hour thing and they have their the rest of the stuff afterwards but I love how they can just cover anything that comes their way. It's cool that they're finally, you know, have a show every night. And you know them personally too, right? Yeah, through Brian. You know, I, like I mentioned, I was friends with Brian in college. And, you know, they went somewhere else. But, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd see them during the summers. And, uh, of course, I've seen them a bunch, you know, since we graduated and everything. And then, yeah, you mentioned the video that was at his bachelor party that we were all at. And had a really, really good time up in Wisconsin. Yeah, those guys are, are awesome. And, yeah, they've... Definitely, uh, you know, deserved everything they've gotten, and it's really cool that they finally have their own show, had their name up on a, whatever you call it, up in lights, I guess. And, and it's pretty cool that they, they got that, and, uh, you know, I'm very happy for both of them. Yeah, it's definitely fun. I love uh, just the randomness that they will have, and I love to tweet at them the nonsense, but then I like to call in and actually have, a, like, a legit point also about whatever it is while I'm thinking about it. Just curious. I know you're, you're a baseball guy in general, so what are your thoughts on the Cubs – I mean, not even just this year, but I mean, even the last few years, I mean, like 17, I give 17 a pass. They just won the World Series, and I usually do this with any team. You win the World Series, there's a lot of stuff that comes with that. Look at the Nationals right now. I don't think they're a bad team. They're having a bad year. It's a weird year anyway. They had Soto out with COVID, but with the Cubs, it's like they've gone through pitching coaches. They've gone through hitting coaches. Chris Bryant, I don't know if he's injured. I think part of the problem, I've said this before, I go back to Jim Hendry days. I feel like they always misdiagnose or don't diagnose injuries they always make it sound like it's not anything big and then we find out Daniel Descalso I mean I, was, I know it's Daniel Descalso but he had a, an injury all year last year no matter no, no no wonder he was so bad or Chris Bryant why you know we find out later how bad his injury was and it's like what what is happening or your thoughts kind of uh with that team yeah I mean this year has been weird um you know Javi Baez just you know uh, I don't know if there's like a you know uh, MLB the show curse like there was with Madden uh, you know for years and years that he got the cover and he just kind of disappeared you know um I, I was reading something today that he came out and said that you know not having uh, not being able to go into the, the, the dugout or you know the clubhouse and, and watch his uh, you know old, you know his past at bats during the game it has really kind of hurt him and you know uh, Yasmani Grandal said the same thing for the White Sox now Grandal has turned it around so I don't know what's changed I don't know if he's just doing something a little bit different and Javi hasn't just found that mark yet um you know but yeah Bryant's obviously 
you know, been hurt, uh, you know, the majority of the year, which has really hurt the Cubs. And that'll be interesting. You know, both, I guess, you know, I, I went into this season um, looking at the Cubs thinking that my, I guess my gut said that it was Javi Baez's team and that they would kind of determine contracts that way. Meaning that I think I, I thought they would build around Javi, they'd give him the money. And then I thought that would probably at least force Bryant out of town. Now, neither one of them have had a good season, so I don't know where that really kind of pushes um, either of the, you know, either where either of their understandings with the team. I guess I would still, I don't think I've necessarily been convinced otherwise. Uh, you know, it's not like Brian has had a great season while Bias has fallen off. They both just kind of had a mad season. So, you know, I, I, you know, am surprised at kind of just how. Little they've been able to do with their pitching, both grooming anybody into becoming their next guy and then the rotation. Um, you know, Hendricks has been great, but, you know, what have they done since Hendricks? Lester certainly, you know, on his way out. Yeah, Darvish was, you know, great. Well, he was had a, a, you know, one bad season and then has been great. But then, you know, the Quintana thing has just been such a disaster. And, you know, especially comparing it to, to what he was traded for. And it's just... Cubs didn't get what they they wanted to get out of that trade. I, I think it made a lot of sense at that point. I think Quintana was a great pitcher and maybe still is a good pitcher, and for whatever reason, just has not worked. But they haven't really, you know, what you know, other they haven't brought up a prospect that's that you know maybe Alec Mills is the guy. But you know, even with that no hitter the other day, you know, there. It, it, it does seem a little Philip Umberish um, to me right now. You know, we'll see what happens. Maybe I, I'll eat those words, but it's been pitching, you know, and and of course the bullpen is has been the the crux of the team as far as you know what has gone wrong you know the Kimbrel signing was you know I, I it was i think a, a worthy risk maybe not necessarily for the years but they they needed to do something last year but it's almost like their hand got forced you don't really want to make that big of a move for a closer you, you know you, you'd rather just kind of have the next guy come up and, and for whatever reason Theo hasn't been able to do that. So, you know, it, with all of these teams and, you know, especially now looking at my White Sox and thinking, what do I want them to become? And, you know, uh, there's been a, something floating around on Twitter recently, like, would would you rather take the White Sox having a Dodgers-like run, which is, you know, making the World Series multiple times, not necessarily getting over the hump, or a Cubs run where they had one World, one World Series and maybe, maybe, you know, the... Um, the, the window is closing right now. I, I think I would take the Cubs. You know, I really would. You know, um, I, I at least, you know, I, I guess the big difference uh, that I will say with a caveat there is the, the White Sox have never made the playoffs two years in a row, ever, ever. They've been around since 1901. They've never done it. So, of course, they've never done it during my life. I want that. I, I want I want to make the playoffs multiple times. You, you, the Cubs, your, your Cubs made the NLCS three straight years. That's that's awesome. That's a that's a great run. That, 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 you know, when I see Cubs fans complain on Twitter, I get it. I get it because it seemed like it even could have been more, you know, more rings. It could have been Blackhawks-ish. Maybe it still can get there. It doesn't seem like it. It, 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 it it's in a good place right now, or not. You know, I know what you they're mean, yeah. in the yeah. lead in the NL Central. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem like they're. You know, they're not. You know, at the Dodgers level, I guess is is a good way to put it. But when I look at the White Sox and compare them to the Cubs, I, I want you know, multiple championship series in a row. That would be a dream, you know, and to have that excitement in October every single year. Yeah, it comes with some some disappointment and some heartbreak. But you know, I, I would I would gladly take what the Cubs have had the last you know handful of years. Even the Kansas City Royals went to back to back World Series, and while they are rebuilding now, they had a nice little run. 
And I totally get that. I think about that all the time, too. It's great being a fan of the Dodgers because they've been so great, but they just got to be able to finish and get that ring. And then going back to the Red Sox, you know, it's like they would win the World Series and then it was they were resetting almost instantly. Maybe the Cubs held on a bit too long in some areas. It does seem like Theo's weakness has been building onto his contender in a way that keeps them as strong as when it started. He can build a team from scratch. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame, but... There have been some perplexing moves. In 2017, it was Brett Anderson on the cheap to try to fill out the back of the rotation or the Brandon Morrow signing. You know, there's been some odd deals in Boston. He gave out some bad contracts like Carl Crawford. Darvish has been working out. Chatwood, mixed results, not really what they expected. They have a high payroll, but it's curious how they've spent when they have spent. I think there's also been, whether you want to call it bad luck or whatever, they can keep changing hitting coaches and managers, but there's too much talent in that lineup to not score consistently. I think bias does make a solid point about the lack of video, but that's everybody. And basically you just got to be able to adjust. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, obviously it's, it's a weird year. Um, you know, that's a, that is, a, I think, an, a, you know, uh, an excuse that anyone can use that, you know, what this, what this season did to some, you know, to, to some players. But, I mean, Javi Baez is a guy that certainly plays up to the crowd. You know, that's where he, that's what he's a showman. You know, um, and and he hasn't been able to do that this season. So maybe even that has something to do with it. And um, you know, but it's going to be a very very interesting offseason for the Cubs. Maybe more so than any other team in Major League Baseball because what are they going to do? You know, they've yeah, Ricketts is playing poor the last couple off seasons, and now he had a season with you know no uh, in-game revenue. So what happens now? You know, that of course that goes across the board in all of baseball, but the Cubs, you know, are at such a crossroads, um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens in the playoffs runs here. You know, um, anything could happen in this playoffs with the with the short series at the beginning, eight teams in the playoffs. Of course, the Cubs can win it all. Anyone can win it all that gets into it. So if that were to happen, you know, that would just make things that much more interesting, you know, on, on what they would do, how they're going to reward these players and, and just kind of, yeah, like you mentioned, uh, what is the, 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 I guess the final line on, on, on Theo's Wikipedia page, you know, if he were to win world series, another one with this team, uh, after, you know, kind of being counted out, um, that, that'd be another thing that can happen, but it can because the Cubs are, are in a position right now to do it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, real quick before I let you go, and I just thought about it again, but, uh, what are your thoughts? I don't mind the DH in the National League. I always kind of like the uniqueness of having the AL and the NL, but I don't, I'm not going to lose sleep over the DH and the NL. But what are your thoughts on the extra innings thing with the runner on second? I get it for this year. You got to kind of want to try to keep games going and not go in the 18 innings. But overall, uh, I, mean, I assume you're probably not a fan of that. Maybe you are. Um, and then, of course, the doubleheaders. Do you think the seven-inning doubleheader thing is here to stay? I'm a traditionalist, I guess, because I don't really like any of – well, I, I do like the DH rule, but uh, that's probably just me being a traditional AL fan. Um, and I and I, I don't love the extra innings rule. I have a question maybe that you know. Maybe I I guess I should know this if, I, if I'm the, the analyst here on your pod. But I, is the playoff – is the uh, extra inning rule in the playoffs? Good question. So I, that's a good question because I saw – I saw somewhere on Twitter, someone mentioned that it's not, I believe. I don't think it will be. See, I hope Because so. that's like the shootout with hockey that, you know, they have it in the regular season. They don't have it in the playoffs. So I would be pretty happy if it's not. Um, and, and then, of course, obviously the, the doubleheader rule won't, won't play in as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's fine for the regular season. You know, the doubleheader rule really kind of had a huge impact this season, especially when you look at the Cardinals who had to play so many doubleheaders, what would they have done if they would have had a face, if they would have had to play nine inning doubleheaders, uh, you know, day in, day out? Um, what would that have done to that team? 
So they kind of, you know, I guess got a break there with, with just kind of how the season, you know, played out. You know, it, it, I guess it makes sense. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily ever, you know, schedule a doubleheader that way. You know, it, it's, I, I, I get it. Uh, I wouldn't ever want, I don't think I would ever want a seven inning, you know, regular, you know, for baseball to be switched to seven innings. And that's just probably just being more of a traditionalist, you know, just, you know, seeing bullpen play out. I, you know, I like having a 28 man roster. I, I like that change. I, I think it just makes it a little more exciting. I haven't minded the, the uh, reliever rule either. Um, that the reliever uh, yeah. has to face three. I kind of forget about really, that. Yeah. It really doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't come into play a lot. You know, the, the one thing that I had did see that I was surprised by is, you know, with the rule being three batters or uh, inning break, if you if you start a pitcher after an inning break that didn't throw to three batters, if you're following me here, so if, the, if a reliever gets the last guy out of an inning and then comes back the next inning, you would think he could only throw to one more guy because he already pitched over an inning gap. He, that is not true. He does have to pitch to a third batter after the inning break. So that, that that's the one that I that's the only time I, I think I've ever really seen the rule come into play is when that happened. You know, we're we're really affected a, a White Sox game. So, you know, I don't, I don't mind it because yeah, you know, uh, bullpen changes suck and, uh, you know, they, they do, uh, you know, they, they do make the games go a lot slow, uh, you know, a lot slower. Last night's game with the twins was nearly four hours, you know, four hour, nine inning game. That's it. I mean, it, I don't really care staying up till 11 o'clock, but you know, uh, I, I wish games, I guess were a, a little shorter. I love when they're uh, 6 PM starts. You're on the East coast, right? But yeah. You know, when 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 I have a six o'clock uh, central start time, I, I prefer those just because you know you kind of had the rest of your night after the game's over. Um, granted, I'm just watching more baseball, but right, still, so yeah. I, I like having that. I like that early start, watching during dinner, and then uh, you know having that end at about nine o'clock. But no, I mean, I, I I hope those other two rules were just for this you know special season. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, taking some time to chat. Really insightful, actually. I loved, I loved all the in-depth that you gave me with the White Sox and just everything in general. So really cool to be able to chat with you today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Well, it was a great conversation, and uh, I'll be available if you ever want me to come on again. Definitely. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to chat, you know, again soon. So maybe maybe in October, Sox and Cubs. Oh, that reminds me. Uh, I don't know if you know Greg Braggs. You've probably seen him on Twitter. You probably know who I'm talking about. Um, he actually came on the pod back in, like, June. It was like, hey, how about a Cubs-Sox World Series? And, hey, who knows? It could happen. Yeah, it certainly can, you know. Uh, yeah, 2020 owes us something. So maybe, maybe that's what we get. Yeah, it might be the World Series in Texas. Never saw that coming, but you never know. Yep, for sure. All right, well, thanks for coming on again, and I will uh, I'll chat with you soon sounds good thanks well great talking with casey Bogislaw. his white Sox have been killing it this year really awesome to get his perspective on all things baseball i will be getting up the gustavo podcast next he is another really awesome twitter follow really good stories you can catch the cutting to the chase podcast across google play spotify apple podcasts and tune in so be sure to check it out wherever you get your podcasts and we will talk to you later